two village idiots with a love-hate relationship. See, you got fat. So you still look like a 15-year-old girl, but not hot. Who can't stop arguing over Oklahoma sports. You know what, man? Why am I still talking to you? Come on, we were doing good there, man. It's the Just Okay Sports Podcast. Sooner Nation, Better Nation, we are back. This is the Just Okay Sports Podcast. That is Just Oklahoma Sports Podcast, as well as Just an Okay Sports Podcast. So, if you like this podcast, please like, subscribe, follow, leave five-star reviews, comments. Heck, leave us a three-star review. We don't really care. Just kind of get our name out there. We'd really appreciate it. And again, anything okay and above, we're all right with. So, that's my brother, Jared, who's along for the ride. How are you, sir? Uh, well, currently in Orlando, it is 68 degrees Fahrenheit, clear skies. Uh, sorry, I figure we always talk about weather, so I just thought to give you the weather report and get it out of the way. Um, no, I'm good. I actually just got home from uh, City Walk. I went and met a friend who's in town. I haven't seen in probably a couple of years, two or three years, probably. Nice. Something like that. Um, we were actually trying to so remember. Are, we can... are, so the first question I have when you have a friend that you haven't seen in two or three years and y'all been out on the town, are you coherent to do the podcast? That's that's yes. number one. Yes, okay. I had one Venetian mule. Okay, I drove myself <laughs> home. I'm okay. Um, Making sure you didn't Uber home. That's all. I'm just, no, I'm just. Yeah, no, no, no. As a matter of fact, I actually have, I was not only really a Florida man story, but it was nerve wracking on the way home. So I was driving home. I actually was on the phone with you calling you and telling you, I was like, Hey, I'm close to the house. Cause like, I'm literally, for those that don't know, I'm like literally <clears throat> walked in the door basically and sat down. And I'm doing the podcast. Yes. It's fact. <clears throat> um, really both of us pretty much yeah. walking in the door and yeah. going straight yeah. to the podcast <clears throat> at, at, at 10 30 at night. <laughs> yeah. Or 11, you know, um, Oh yeah. 11 30 for you. Yeah. So, uh, Anyways, I was coming home and I got on the road and like I saw a fire truck behind me. And as I got close, I could see like smoke coming up and it was kind of coming up the direction of my house. And you just like, you know, when you see that, you're like, your brain has two thoughts. No way it's my house. And is it my house? So it wasn't my house, clearly. But <laughs> I was like, I was like, what the crap? Because like, it was like, it's the neighborhood basically over. Yeah. Um, so it was, I, it didn't look like it was a big bad fire. But anyway, so that happened when I got home. So I was a little nerve wracked, but. <laughs> um yeah no i'm doing good weather's good when you to see some friends city walk's really cool um yeah it's not it's it's like almost weird that i have to remind myself that like i live that close to it you yeah. know what i mean like yeah because like when you live here it's kind of funny like people that live here like in orlando they don't like going near the parks as much because it's right like, in area and it's like always chaos, yeah but, um it's like in vegas nobody that actually lives in vegas goes to the strip you know like nobody yeah. goes down there <laughs> which by the way vegas grand prix this week and pretty hyped yeah um, you are but yeah the uh it's gonna be a um it, it's a it's, it's like a good thing to go like down there it's just it's right now this time of year it's just so open like because mm -hmm. like you you had like the halloween stuff all is over right right and then, like now everybody's kind of like in like the holiday season so the parks like when we were there it's like I was walking in, everybody was walking out, and that was kind of a lot of people. But like once we got to City Walk, it was like, dude, it was like we, it was open basically. There wasn't anybody there. So anyway, that's awesome. I'm good. How are things in Oklahoma? Probably not the same weather we have here. I would assume. Uh, it's actually school. pretty gorgeous. It's changing tonight. We have a cold front hitting tonight, so the high tomorrow is going to be, uh, I believe, like 62. 
it's been like 75, 80 for like the last week. It's been gorgeous. So, um, yeah. So it's, it's really, really nice. Full. I, uh, I reek of bacon. I, uh, I cooked 18 pounds of bacon today. Um, so yes, let's, I, I, I'm trying to decide if I should ask or not ask why you cooked 18 pounds of bacon. I mean, I understand I have a very large love of bacon, but. <laughs> well, we, uh, we do a thing every year. Uh, we send little packaged, uh, like Christmas box things to underprivileged children or whatever. So we pack these boxes, send it away and we eat dinner beforehand, but we do Brenner. We do pancakes and bacon. So I had to make bacon for like 75 people. Who made today. the pancakes though? Jeez. That's, that's, uh, we had about five ladies come up and we had like five griddles going and they were all mixing and just dumping pancakes and just making pancakes. From like Sounds like chaos, but that's a good cause. That's a good cause. That's cool. It was awesome. It was awesome. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, the church reeks of bacon. The church offices reek of bacon. You don't, no, 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 no. You don't ever use the word reeks with bacon. It has it's the true. aroma of bacon. It is. it is now. It is great. I mean, it's, I don't know like, that it ever gets old, but I've been smelling and still am smelling bacon since one o'clock this afternoon. You, you know, I, now I feel like I'm just having the mental image in my head of me walking into your church right now. And like, you know, like you see like in the movies where like they walk into church, it's like, Oh, like they have like the music and all that. <laughs> yeah. like that's because I would smell the bacon. The my bacon, brain would be right. like, Oh, this is, this is, a, this is holy ground. This is sacred. <laughs> oh man. So, that's what I've been doing today. So anyways, everybody's done with our pathetic lives. Let's get into some sports, shall we? And I thought, I don't know about you, just emotionally, mentally, even just from a time standpoint, even when we potted our review of uh, this week and, and Bedlam, and even really the last two weeks, I think it's always good to kind of step away and have some perspective, right? And um, and think on some things. And so, first of all, I would just say, like, is it oversimplifying it, Jared, just to say, like, quit losing the turnover battle? I mean, like, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's a big part of it. I mean, the turnover battle is um, a component. I don't think it's the biggest part. Really? Yeah. See, I, it was really, I mean, I, I, Knew it was a big part, obviously, but then you really do think about it. And BV mentions it in his press conference this week, right? Like in your in your seven zero run that you go on, you turn the ball over five times in seven games, and in your two losses, you have six turnovers. I mean, it's yeah. yeah it, no, no. Let me let me let me clarify. Um, I do think it is a big part, right? But at the same time, I think it's. I, I say it's a component because I don't think you can say like, well, you know, DG threw a pick and that's why, you know, like they still should have been in a position. They still had enough to overcome that. You know what I'm saying? So like it is. Important, right. And that's but... and that's what I mean by it. Like in both games, you're there to win it. So if you would have just won the turnover margin, you probably yeah. win both those games. Yeah. Like it, yeah. It, that's what I mean. Like that's not to say. There's not a bunch of other problems. That's not to say there's not a whole lot of other things to work on, but just as simple as if you would just hang on to the ball and get back to what you were doing in the early games of turning the ball over, which 
OU has done both weeks. It's really just been that they're turning the ball over more than their opponents are, right? And so if you would just get back to winning the turnover battle, you're 9-0, and right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it, as much as we want to gripe about this play call or that play call or this player or that player and, and all the different things, get back to winning the turnover battle. You get back to winning the turnover battle, not turning it over and creating turnovers on the other side. Well, I, I think what we also have to highlight is, especially obviously in the Oklahoma State game, those turnovers were pretty much unforced. Right. Um, right. Uh, that's that's a huge thing. Like that's discipline. And I've already been in my frustrations about that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, there's some unforced. There's just some. Um, yeah, they just need to clean it up. It's just it's like a discipline. Right. Like yeah. we've seen. I mean, I think that's what it comes down boils down to when you really get to the root of it. Yes, mm -hmm. it is turnovers, but it's like. Even in the ones that were forced, it was like, you know, DG was trying to look like I'm trying to do a little bit more than he should have or whatever. Right. Like right. things we haven't seen him do. Um, but a lot of the penalties are the same way, like the Farouk, like we talked about last week, the uh, or, you know, Sunday or whatever that was Farouk uh, not being set. Like, that's just that's a simple thing. That's one yeah. of those, um, you know, that's the the fundamentals of football that you, you just know to do and you should do every play and. You don't do it unless you're like you lack discipline, and that's what they've yeah. been doing. Yeah, and, and that kind of leads me to my my next thought that I want us to walk through as far as going coming out of this losing streak is the penalties, right? Like mm -hmm. that. Look, they've had penalties throughout the season, but really these last two or three weeks, it's been very noticeable. And like you said, it's false starts. It's you know not having guys set and still snap. I mean, it's just stuff, like you said, that's unforced. These are these are things that should not happen. But it led me down a little bit of a road of thought of what's going on and why. And I think that, for me, one question I kind of am asking myself and I'm asking you at the same time is, you know, the 6-0 the, the start put us in this position of Vivi's culture's been set. And now we're kind of in this lull and in this negative point, right? This adversity point. And you start to see some of the problems that were there before BV came starting to come back, right? These just dumb, ignorant penalties. And so then it got me thinking, okay, like as much as I do think BV has changed the culture in a lot of ways, that culture that got built there for the last five years of Lincoln Riley doesn't just disappear right in a, in a year and right. a half, two years. And exactly. then I started going down through it, right. And thinking it through the, the personal foul call in the Kansas game, Savion bird blocking a guy Which... well past the whistle. The whistle was blowing for a while when he shoves the guy, like, is it the most egregious thing ever? But you can't, you can't do that when the whistle's been blown four times. You can't shove well, a I, guy into the I bench. Think we, I think we have to look at this this um, because yeah, like I roll my eyes a little bit, but I think we also have to just we're gonna have to live in the world that whether you believe in conspiracies or not or whatever, the margin for OU to make those sorts of errors is much thinner. It would appear than it is other teams. Like you have to be aware of that, right? And, and like I'm not talking about the questionable calls. Like, let's go down the calls that we just no, no, no. Know. I, yeah, no, no. I'm just saying that's what I'm saying. The 
because what I'm saying is you should be more and more disciplined because you know every tiny little thing you do, they're looking like it, it has felt like the refs are looking for that for OU than they are other teams. Like, let's just, I'll put it that way, in my opinion. Sure, sure. You could you can make that argument, right? And we've talked about that some. So all that to say, Savion Burr's personal foul was a clear, to me, personal foul. The rain snap issues, pretty clear, right? Like, not a penalty, but yet it penalizes you, if that makes sense. Farouk, you have false start, and he lines up offsides, right, in, in a game. You have Drake Stoops getting a false start in the midst of a game. And when you start going down those penalties that really racked up on you and put you in bad positions, every single one of those players I just listed was there during the Lincoln Riley years. Yeah, I mean. And again, maybe it's just a random coincidence, right? Maybe it is. Well, I mean, it's, I, I don't think it's a coincidence. I mean, when you really think about it, it's, you know, a large section of this team, probably 40% of this team was here under Lincoln. So it's like just by statistics, it's likely, I guess, you know. Um, but I, I mean, I do know what you're saying. It's like that mentality that they have is I not as healthy, I guess, or not as good as what BV would want it to be. Is that, I, I guess, is kind of where you're trying to go? Yeah. I mean, I think his culture is, I, I think what we just need to realize is like, you know, there's been all this talk of, well, I don't know if these guys are disciplined at all under BV. And it's like, guys, almost all the players that have made these mistakes had two to three years with Lincoln. The only guy that did well, is Farouk. Farouk had one year with Lincoln. That's it. But what? he was, they were all underneath that. And so what I'm getting at is just, it's, it's interesting when you really think about BV's guys. Right. They're not the ones making these issues. They're not the ones making these mistakes. The guys he brought in under him with his mentality, with his culture, right? Not mixing it with any of the other stuff. Overall been pretty solid, right? Like, but the ones that were there with him, and again, those were that was one of the things that drove us nuts with Lincoln was the stupid penalties, right? I mean, like, well, but let's not let's not even go down the list of how many times Buki made a just idiotic play well, on the field that made no sense here's here's a little like here's where i would like give for the people that were trying to jump on the bv doesn't uh like there's not discipline under bv or whatever i think one little difference that i've noticed and maybe again this is i i guess somewhat in hindsight or whatever when people would do dumb things under lincoln a lot of times guys just walk to the like walk to the bench like so, sometimes they would stop and like have lincoln or Grinch or whoever tell them you're an idiot, but like a lot of times they just walk to the sideline and sat down. Yeah. That doesn't happen under BV. Like you see BV, you see guys come to the sideline and their position coach waiting on them to give them an earful. Right. Yeah. And I remember like, it's one of those dumb, like I, it's like one of those, like the old football player in me or whatever. It's like, dude, if I walked past my coach, like I straight up, like I, I remember I was watching a game one time, uh, the, you know, in the Lincoln Riley era and that happened. Somebody, maybe it was Buki or whoever, commits an egregious penalty and walks straight past the position coach. And I was like, dude, I guarantee you if I did that to one of my coaches in high school, I would have got my face mask ripped off of my face. Like, yeah. I, I would have like probably got like, almost choke slammed to the ground because that was the ultimate disrespect. You don't see that under BB. So, but yes, I do get what you're saying. Those are things that they need to correct. And again, we've kind of talked about it. I, I think that that's one of those things that's, it's frustrating because it's easily correctable. Right. 
Right, right. And and I think that I think that the the next point I want to make as I've kind of thought through all this is I think in those first six weeks you saw a hyper focus. You saw a team that knew that they were, you know, six and seven and a 49-0 loss to Texas. And then it all just built, 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 and they redeemed themselves against Texas. And then that focus kind of got lax, right? And then you still win. You still pull out a win against UCF with lax focus, right? Then you lose, but you lose to Kansas in a really tight game, in a game that you could have easily won. And by some analytic standards say you should have won the game, right? But you relax again. And so in both those instances, in all those instances, it's easy to everybody's telling how great you are. You're so great. You relax and you still won. Hey, we're so great that we relaxed and we played awful against Kansas and we still almost won the game. Right. And so it carries over one more time to another, you know, another situation. And now you get you get beat and you got just kind of handled really a little bit. And I understand the game was close, but I felt like OSU was the more physical team. I felt like OSU was the more disciplined team. I mean, they, I mean, look, look, I mean, it's, I, when I look, when I look at the OSU game, when I watched it again, the frustrating part is I agree with everything you're saying, but I also think, Oh, you easily should have won that game. Right. Like, yes. It, it like we talked about it, it almost should have been a dominant win for OU. Um, but you know, it, it we are here where we're here. I'm not trying to take a win away from the Cowboys or whatever. No. I hope we see him in the conference championship game, but yeah, I, I don't disagree. It's but it's like this is like you know, we both said after the UCF game, I think this is where like the frustration really is starting to build like to a very high level for the fan base. Right. You and I said after the UCF game, like that's got to be a wake up call, like, yeah. No offense to UCF, but you should have you should have won that game handedly, and you had a dogfight your way to a win. Right. Um, and then Kansas happens, and it's like, okay, well, you have a loss now, so that really has to be a wake up call. And then right. it's like, then you go out the next week, and like you said, you you probably the most undisciplined game they've played all season. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I think that that's why it's like you're you're seeing a trajectory you don't want to see. So this has like got to be one of those like this is one of those weeks where you feel like BV and staff like they need to go like old school like running bleachers or doing whatever to punish <laughs> some people to be like you don't do that crap anymore. Um, but yeah, I do agree with you. Like they've got to get their heads right. Um, yeah, it's just I don't think that's where they're at right now. And and let's also not diminish that against OSU, you're missing a bunch of key components right there from from injury. Um, you got Pearson out the whole first half because of a targeting call. You got Stutzman out injured. Um, you know, you had, I mean, you had Gentry that was on and off the field, banged um, up the whole game. Yeah, not. Playing, I never obviously. heard. Have you heard any more about? Okay, so I don't know. That was one thing. Like. To, to go to your point, I really thought, like, the way the whole Key Lawrence thing went down. Yeah, it was it really felt, random, right? It was like, he didn't, like, he was, like, he walked off the field fine. Didn't seem like anything. They said he went to the locker room. I wonder if he didn't try. He's been a little bit more of the boisterous 
one, which is like kind of fine, but it's like, I wonder if he didn't get a little voice trust with somebody on the staff and they were like, no, you're not going to do that. You know no, what I, mean? like, I don't feel that at all. I, I feel more so he does some special teams. Um, and there was even a run. He kind of came in there, you know, you know, like he does, he tends to kind of over, overextend himself a little bit in there. To me, it almost felt like one of those random, he took a helmet to the side, the side yeah. of the helmet somewhere and came over and said, my head hurts or something, you know, and they basically put him in concussion protocol is what it felt like to me. Um, or, well, that's what he, that's or, just what you need. That's just what you need. Tom Herman on the sideline. Yeah, exactly. I mean, or he's been dealing with some kind of nagging, whatever, and tried to go and it tweaked on him and they took him back to double check it and, and do all stuff. But I haven't heard anything from a, from an injury report. I don't even think BV mentioned him in the injury report. It was just, I was just saying it was, I wasn't trying to like say like, Oh, I have an inside source. I'm just saying it was such a weird set of events. It just felt weird. Um, but yeah, again, it's one of those things, like, like you said, it, it comes back to, you had some guys out. Um, and it's, it really needs to be, that's where like your discipline has to come. Like really has to be at top notch yeah. because it's next guy up, right? Like it's a guy right. that may not have seen the field a whole lot. Um, and we saw a lot of that and some of those guys went down. So, you know, yeah. we were playing, we were really playing three and four deep on the depth chart. If you look at the beginning of the year to now. Right. And in a lot of positions. So all that to say, I'm mm -hmm. with you. You would have thought UCF was a wake up call. Doesn't seem like it was. You would have thought Kansas was a wake up call, but it really wasn't. Um, you know, and now you, again, you just have to go back again and say, you hope this is a wake up call that, you have to get back to trying to dominate your opponent every single week, no matter who they are and how good or how bad you think they are. Which, by the way, the the making the rounds quote of Drake Stoops post practice of uh, oh, yeah, yeah there's was... something left to play for, and if we were zero and eight, there's something left to play. I mean, and that's the mentality you got to have, which I think shows that there's leadership in that locker room, right? It's just a matter of if if everybody can grab a hold of it and, and run with, I it, mean, you know, I, I think it's the thing, you know, I think the point that I tried to make even in our last pod after the post, the post game or whatever pod was that like, that's what you want to see out of your players. Just the passion, right? Like, mm -hmm. I think that's what I was trying to get at with like when, when I watched DJ's interview, like you said, it was very monotone, very like, well, you know, we lost, like, it just felt like kind of like, uh, I'm here and I'm giving an interview. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like from from the guy that you, you know, you want to see from him, like somebody that's mad, like somebody that's truly upset that they lost and you don't get that vibe. And now I understand personality and all that sort of stuff. But right? like, again, but that's him with media. Go to yeah, no, anyone. No, 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 yeah. no I, I agree. I'm just saying like, it's, it's refreshing. I'm not saying maybe DG is a great leader. I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying like when you see somebody like Drake Stoops, that you know, he 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 gives that aura of somebody that's always kind of like passionate about what he's doing. I mean, that's what he said. He's like, I don't care. Like, I love this university. I love this football team. I'd love to play football. You know, I mean, like he's just yeah. absorbed with passion and you love to see that. And I'm thinking like it feels like it, it go to go back to your point. It feels like you see that more in the younger guys, like the guys that BV's brought in than you do the older guys. Right. Yeah. I mean, I know I, mean, I know Drake, obviously Drake is, is a, an, older an, elder, guy. an elder statesman at this point, right. but you know what I mean? Yeah. 
I know. I, and that's what I'm getting at, you know, is just, I think it's going to take one more year, you know, like for instance, we've talked a lot about like things like football IQ and that's something you didn't see with Lincoln's teams. And some of these players that are still here and playing even not a lot of football IQ, you know, of just little things that should be basic, you know, um, that you well, I mean, just see not happening as much. And yes, you do see it from the younger guys. You do see a different mentality um, with some of those, which again, they were recruited by a guy with that mentality. That's what I'm getting at, right? Like when he sits in the living room, I'm going to come at you like this. And therefore the players that he attracts have that mentality, right? And so I think it's just going to take one more year. I think next year, you will fully see the BV culture take over. And that doesn't mean they're going to be 10 and 0, but I just think you're going to see a different discipline to things and a lack of a, a lessening of just dumb things that just set you back. Right. And again, Drake embodies that because his dad embodies that. Right. And Brent learned a great deal of that well, from Bob, you know? Well, here, let me, let me give you one quick example. And I want to also reference something else um, from this week. But like we were talking about, like the best offensive line OU's ever had was the what twenty seventeen offensive line, right? And it gave me the reminder of that was like that was Bob's guys, right? Bob Bob was one that recruited those guys. Yep. And I remember they would get penalties, like they would get a you know unnecessary roughness or whatever penalty, but you took it because they were just that mean, right? Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you were willing yeah. to accept that, and it wasn't like a lack of discipline. It was just they were that nasty and physical, and they were just were going to pound you into the ground. Yeah. Um, you know, so um, you know, I think that's the thing. Like, you know, you don't see that from these guys anymore. Um, so it's like, you know, I don't want unnecessary roughness penalties, but it's some of those circumstances, it's like, dude, if you put somebody in the ground and make it hurt, that yeah. can have an effect that's a lot worth a lot more than 15 yards penalties, yeah. right? Yeah, um, no doubt. And and one other thing, and we're gonna talk about it because I know it's next, but BV, like one of the, the clear differences, and we've talked about this, is the leadership between Lincoln and BV is there's no we're close, right? Like BV is <laughs> saying, BV's, BV's saying, like, look, we got a good football team, but we got to be better. Like, he's not trying to sell you a bill of goods and, yeah. you know, be like, well, everything's hunky dory. It just, you know, we just lost the game. Like, that's kind of how it felt under Lincoln. And BV has a very different approach to that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like this. How many times has BV already went, even when we beat Texas? Guys, there's so much. Like, we didn't do this. We didn't do that. We didn't do, even even in post-win of Texas, he's naming all those things, right? Well, it's, he's, say, he's saying out loud, it was uncomfortable for me to let the guys go party at the fair for an hour and a half. I didn't like that. And then you've got the Lincoln side that when they get blown out by somebody, I know you guys think it's all falling apart, but to the trained eye, we're this close to being well, so great. Here's here's how I look at it. And this is like an analogy that I kind of thought of. Lincoln's like the mad scientist, right? Like he's a genius, right? Like we can admit that he's a genius. Yeah. Offensively, he can make crazy plays and play calls and everything else. BV is a ball coach. BV is a <laughs> football coach. And what I mean by that is like how many times if you watch the games, go back and watch the the like games that OU dominated, right? Or that was playing well in or whatever, guys will come off after a stop 
Like they'll they'll put somebody three and out, and BV's right there being like, and you can tell him being like, you need to be here. You should have been here. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's like for us, obviously being at a high school level, it's like, dude, that's how our coaches were. We had the same, basically the same coaches, right? <laughs> and if I if I like if we got to stop and I was out of position though, my coach would be like, dude, what were you doing? Why were you there? Yeah, right. Like it's a different mentality. It's like that always trying to like chase perfection. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where with Lincoln, it felt like sometimes it's like, okay, well it worked. So yeah, and, you know what yeah. I mean? Like. And BV's not that guy. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, he doesn't say things like uh the defense was the strength of our team. Uh oh, dude. Oh. <laughs> dude, I read that. So one of my friends asked me on Twitter, he's a USC fan, and he put the quote and he said, uh, I want to know. I gotta read my response. Um because he was like, I want to know what your thoughts are, but he sent me the quote. And I said, uh, he goes, What are your thoughts on this? Two things. I live in Florida and I learned California has way harder drugs and readily available and apparently accepted to use in public. That's the only explanation I have. <laughs> and what did I say in our text group? I said, I'll have whatever the tall balding man is snorting. Like, yes. I don't understand what universe you ever. And by the way, how was Caleb Williams supposed to feel about that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's I mean, I like this is where like I feel like Lincoln doesn't have a good grasp on the uh the the he can't see the forest for the trees kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like he's so focused on the now that he can't see. It's like you probably pissed off a lot of your offensive players who knew that they were like Baker Mayfield's probably not real happy. Kyler Murray's probably not real happy that you just yeah. said, Well, it was the defense that won us those games. Yeah. Well, he's he's too busy always thinking about I think Lincoln just lives in the world of recruiting. Like that's the part that, and so it's always a sales pitch, right? And so it's like, okay, I just fired my DC. We have all these guys that are, that are committed to us. And, you know, so I'm going to say something like, I know change can get us there because it did before we were, we were amazing. And it's like, no, you weren't. But anyway, yeah. Uh, speaking of not great, I'm curious what you thought about this. Did do you get to listen to BV's press conference? Yeah. We have one group that's not developing. Like we need it to. What group did you think he was talking about? Special teams, 100%. I, okay, that's what I thought. I thought special teams. The more I went back and listened to it, it feels like it's zoning in more on kicker. Like legitimately just field goal kicker, not even special teams, but field goal kicker. But then like listening to everybody else, it's like, oh, it's running backs. I was like, wait, what? Like, the amount of answers that people gave to that was astonishing. Well, to me. look, I, I, I'm sorry. It's it's kicker. It's kicker. The worst position we have on this entire team is kicker. There's yes. no way he's talking about anybody else. Let's be clear. Like the running backs have actually been fine. Like, have they been as consistent as they should be? No. But like, Tawi has established himself as a dude that can get you yards. Sean yep. Chuck now is established as a dude that can get you yards. Right. Like. Even major, I would say, has gotten slightly better throughout the year. I know he's he's hurt, but you know what I mean? Like, I can't look at running back. Wide receivers gotten better. Even when Andrew Anthony went down, it's like you still had guys that were stepping up. You've had the emergence of, you know what I mean? Like, I, I can't yeah. see it being anybody but kicker. The, the, the two worst positions are definitely field goal kicker and tight end. Yes. Right? And that's the only other one when it finally got mentioned. I was like, ah, okay. There might, there might be something to that, right? And especially in lieu of Jason Llewellyn 
tweeting during a game that a tight end needs to improve, right? Which an interesting, you know, uh, bold move, Cotton. That's all I can say. Bold move. I know he deleted it very quickly, but still, the receipts are out there. I mean, I, I do think, I mean, he said, you know, he's he said a lot of things since the loss. You know, he said, we probably have a Rolodex of plays better than what we call them fourth down. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's happy, but I don't think that he's a guy like he, that's what you want. I think this is what the, what's frustrating me a little bit with Sooner Nation because I've seen people that are still, like, they're bashing BV, and I'm like, this is what you wanted. Like, you wanted more emotion from your coach. You wanted your coach to be, you know, ticked yeah. off. And now he is, and you're like, well, he's not doing anything. And it's like, no, I mean, you can't. I think people have to understand you can't fix it overnight, right? Like the culture, we've already talked about that. That's going to take, like, I don't think there's an argument to be made that there isn't some of Lincoln's culture still lingering around. I think that's pretty much scientific fact at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely parts of the team that are weaker, and I think that I, I I'm, I, I've said last week, and I'll say it again. I know this isn't going to make you happy. And I know Troy. And most of Sooner Nation probably are gonna be happy with me. I'm willing to give Levy another year. Like he, if oh. his 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 defense is so predicated upon tight end play and really I, I, just a decent offensive line, and I would say this offensive line has been farly too or way too con- inconsistent for him to make a play call. Now, that's not defending the Kansas game. The Kansas game, he just or peed SMU. down his leg. Kansas and yeah. SMU. Yeah, he I just mean, peed down his leg. He just peed down his leg there. That there's no. There's no amount of bad tight end play or offensive line play that justifies what we saw in those games. Right. Right. But anyway, I digress. Yeah, I, I agree. So, all right, let's move off of the past. Let's move to the future. We play West Virginia uh, this weekend. So let me give you a little bit of a, a rundown on West Virginia and what we see. Okay. One of the things that's interesting with West Virginia is they are fourth in the nation in time of possession. They average possessing the ball 33 minutes a game. Now, that may not be a huge deal, but I think we did see that start to take place a little bit last week. I think we saw the defense get gassed a little bit, and so they're known for that. But it's not necessarily leading to a huge score, right? Scoring offense for them, they're 39th in the country. They're scoring 31.4 points a game, which, by the way, I would have never thought they were averaging that many points a game. Just would not have thought that off the top of my head, but they are, right? Um, Scoring defense, they're 55th in the nation. They're allowing 24.3 points per game. Um, And so that's where they are, and they are 7th in the country in rush yards per game. So again, in two different categories, which it kind of makes sense, they kind of go hand in hand, right? 4th in the country of time and possession, 7th in the country in rushing yards, uh, 218 yards per game. And, by the way, This will give you just a little bit more of a feel for how much they like to run the ball. First downs. They have 73 first downs passing, 108 first downs through the run game. Right? So definitely a heavy uh, run team. Just by comparison, OU only has 90 first downs rushing this year. They have 123 passing. Okay? So that's kind of who they are. A uh, little bit of what they what they are. It is a ground pound, control the clock, control possession team. You've got to stop the run. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I I think when you go back and you like, I've I've watched uh, three of their games. Um, I feel like when you watch them, they're very much a team that if you can just get, if you put them like in third and eight, even it's pretty tough on them. 
like they're not a very potent passing attack. I think they're strong, better than you would think. But if you put them in those sorts of situations, I I think it's one of those they're, you know, four yards in a cloud of dust sort of teams most of the time, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's this is a team that's gonna this is gonna be again, um. Uh, weird that we're talking about all these big 12 teams. And it's like, yeah, you got to really have, you know, good run defense. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was such a pass happy league for, you know, 10 years or whatever. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you're, I don't know. Did they give it? I didn't, I one thing I don't remember. They didn't give an official status on that. I can't see Danny Stetsman being back like a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, they're saying he's practicing and stuff. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, maybe I see. I see. I see if he plays, he only plays like no more than half the snaps. Right. So I think you're going to see a heavy dose of Kip. And I think you'll see a heavy dose of uh, probably Canik and maybe uh, Kobe or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Which, Um, by the way, I I want to say again, it was so funny listening to radio people today that including a insider that has all the inside information. Um got there you know somebody calling in and going well kip's obviously going to start right instead of canic if stutzman's back and it's like maybe not maybe not folks um, we have said it on here a thousand times canic does not play the same position as kip lewis kip lewis plays the same position as stutzman that's one of the reasons he hasn't played much this year is they play the same position right okay? now Kobe McKenzie is the one who plays the same position as Canning, right? right? Now, can Danny flip over and play the other linebacker position? Yeah. And is that his best? I don't know. Um, so that I mean, part I think, is I, going I, I to think, be interesting. I think, I think the argument to be made is right now that you would probably hope, like given that Danny was healthy, that you would hope that they, like Kip and maybe Danny have kind of been like doing the rotations of those positions a little bit to get some familiar, like some heavier familiarity with them. Right. So that mm-hmm. they could interchange. Cause I do think Kip, Kip had a hell of a game. Um, oh yeah. Like I said, I, I'm so glad that I bought his stock when it was like one cent, <laughs> one cent, a sh- one cent a share. You guys are all on yeah. the bandwagon way in the back and I'm sitting in first class. So, um, yeah, I mean, I do think there's going to be like this is going to be a linebacker game, but it's going to be a defensive line game. I mean, they do have um, their offensive line can make running running lanes, um, so you're going to need your defensive line to be able to control that as best they can and yeah. have your linebackers fill them. Um, yeah. So I, I do think OU has a very good chance at while they like you look at those stats, you're like, oh man, this is going to be a you know. 45 35 game it's like i really think it might be a low and when you really watch their games and you look at their scores it's like a lot of those points have really come in like three or four games yeah right like some of their games they've only scored like when they played pit i think it was like they only scored like 10 points or something you know what i mean yeah. like i know it was early in the season but yeah um so well, yeah it's last be... week they scored 50 something points which was you know an anomaly for them yeah they you know they're normally not up there so i agree with you on that the, you know, I think the, they're 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 a they're a the way I would also phrase it is they're a scrappy team, like they are that yeah. team that plays up to their competition or maybe even down to their competition to some degree. Um, so if they're playing, they could be playing Bama, and it's a, it's going to be closer, or you know maybe Bama is a bad example this year, uh, Georgia or whoever, right? They're going to play 
it's way tighter than it probably should be because they're just that kind of team. Yeah. It's been interesting, right? Because Neil Brown goes there, offensive coordinator in his past, offensive-minded coach, and yet they have been a very physical defensive team since he's been there. The offense is what has struggled um, a lot, you know, but thinking yet again on their offense, just to give you one other stat that I think is pretty impressive, um, Green, the quarterback for, for West Virginia, he is only completing 53% of his passes, okay? But he also only has two interceptions on the entire year, two, yep. which is really impressive. And that dude can go when it comes to the running side of things. You give that guy a lane and don't put a hand on him, he is gone. He can fly. And my only fear is because it feels like they did this against Bean, and it even felt like at times they were doing it a little bit last week to try to defend against Ollie Gordon. The D-line has to fire off the ball and push the line of scrimmage backwards. They have to. Now, do they need to hold their their rush lanes and their their run defense lanes and their gaps and all the different yes but you can't be playing catch all the time you've got to go and take the attack to them and move the pocket move the line of scrimmage in my opinion because look green and then their lead running back is donaldson those two guys combined right now through nine games have almost 1200 yards rushing. You've got to stop. You stop that and everything moves on for you. And so I hope they'll be aggressive on the D-line this week. Well, and one other thing, you know, I just something, uh, an overarching thing for OU, I guess. Just think if this team had somebody like if David Stone's what we think David Stone is. Like if you had one just beast of a dude on that defensive line, it doesn't even matter if it's inside or outside, really. Yeah. You just had one beast of a dude. Like how much better this, how much better this defense would be. I mean, I think PJ's like I'm still on the PJ train. I think PJ's going to be there, but I think PJ physically needs to, to, to get there, right? Like I think he's. I just think it's technique for him. I think it's literally just getting him comfortable in the technique. He just still looks very stiff, um, not stiff like in his hips, but like my move is this. You know what I mean? Like, and you do it this way instead of just a feel. You know, like yeah. He, he is whatever move that they're instructing him to do. He's going to do that move exactly how they tell him to do it, as opposed to just whip your guy's butt and get to the quarterback, you know, be violent. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that will come, but it's almost the thinking thing, right? Like we talk about with linebacker a lot. It's just, he's thinking so much instead of just letting his tools take over. And I think that will come So, anyways. Yeah. But I agree. You, you had a David Stone to this mix. You had a Nigel Smith, some of those pieces like that. It'll, it'd be very interesting to see what's going on. So moving to the defensive side for West Virginia, they have 18 sacks on the year. Uh, just by way of comparison, OU has 17, right? And I think one of the things that we've said is this O-line does not get a ton of pressure. I would say the same with West Virginia. They do not get a lot. Um, here's a great one for you. Um, that kind of shows that these teams are a little bit similar. The top four sack guys for West Virginia in the last three weeks have one sack. Right. That's how little pressure they are getting on the quarterback. Now, they only allow 139 rushing yards a game compared to 227 passing, 
And then Lee Koba is his name, is their lead. To me, man, this this should be a week, as far as I can tell, that DG goes nuts. If Levy will be aggressive and call it up. Yep. I, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I And I also, watching their game, I think there's a lot to be... I think you could kind of... I, I, I want to see them attack the middle of the field, and I want DG to see it. Yeah. Um, they don't have phenomenal athletes at linebacker, right? So you're not going to have linebackers who are going to be able to drop in coverage against Nick Anderson and or whoever, right? Um, and just stop them every play. So yeah, there's a there's a huge. I mean, you give DG some time. It's it should be game over. Uh, yeah. so but again, the that's my whole point. Watching the games, even I watch. It's like every one of their games. Let me put it this way: every one of their games felt like they should have lost the game by 20 or 30, right? Like at times, because it's like they're so inconsistent that there's times it's like this, they're completely outclassed. Like they're playing Houston and you're like, dude, Houston looks way better than them. And you know what I mean? It's like, it's really almost the opposite of OU in a lot of of regards the last few weeks where it's like, oh, you really, you feel like, oh, you should have won. And it's like the same with West Virginia. It's like they should have lost or it should have been a blowout. Um, so it's just gonna be really interesting. I just it's it's really hard for me. Again, I watched three games. I haven't watched, I didn't do film study on every game they have, but it just gives me that feel of like a team that's just really hard to put your thumb on because you just don't know what to expect every single play. Like it almost literally the games I watched, it literally was like play to play. It was that way. It was like, oh my god, they're elite, and then oh my god, they look like a D3 school. You know what I mean? Like it was just such a quick transition. So I think that's, and I think they have a little bit of youth. I haven't looked at their roster top to bottom and who was starting as far as ranking or a uh, class, but it's like, I think they have some young guys. I think, I think he's kind of still, I think Brown's still dealing with a little bit of culture and those things of that, of that nature. So I'm sure that's a little bit of it, but yeah, they're, this is going to be a guy either way. This is going to be a team that you got to come play tough ball and you got to be aggressive. Like Levy pass the ball. And again, I'm, I think if he, I think he called a good enough game against Oklahoma State. That's all I'll say. Yes, I, I I agree with you on that. So, so with all that put in there, some keys to the game. I'm going to give you. I've got four, and then I'll let you share yours, Jared. I think number one, like I stated earlier, turnovers. If you are undefeated when you win the turnover battle, get back to it. That's that is number one above all else. Number two is just don't inflict. Stupid penalties to put you in bad positions, right? Like, mm-hmm. let's let's try. We've had two weeks in a row and two losses where we get thirty yards on one play in penalties. Let's try not right. doing that this. Right? Yeah. Let's let's try not getting momentum and then getting a false start to put us at first and fifteen. Like, just don't do those things, right? Um, for number three, I agree with everything you just said about Levy. I thought he called a good enough game to win last week. At the same time, Levy, put all of your cute stuff in a box and lock it away. Nothing cute. Stop it. Right? Just just stop it. Like, put somebody. BV, when he was a DC, had a get-back coach. Levy needs a cute coach up in the booth with him. And the minute that he starts to call a reverse or some stupid direct snapper, they just need to slap him. Bam. Stop it. Go counter. You are not allowed to do it. Put it away. Stop it. Just so stop just it. Want, just, just want to point out that my 
pastor brother has condoned assault now. But anyways, correct. go ahead. That is correct. Um, but it, it just don't like impose your will. You should be better than this team. And if your team executes, you can do it. Now that doesn't mean do the SMU in the in the Kansas games, um, where you just, you know, call a ridiculous game of just doing nothing but running the ball, but do that. And then my last one is this. Coaches, you need to manage your personnel well. Do not sub a guy for a gadget play, right? Like, it makes no sense, and everybody knows that you're about to do something stupid when you insert Dalen Smothers in the game who hasn't played since week two. Like, you're not doing that for kicks and giggles. We just – Tally Walker just ran the ball. Gavin Suchuk just ran the ball, and now all of a sudden Dylan Smothers is in the game? Like, we right. all know you're trying to do something cute. Stop it. Do not put LV Bunkley Shelton back to return a punt when he hasn't returned a punt the entire season for no yeah. – I'd be willing to bet you anything that the muffed punt that LV Bunkley Shelton did, if we could see the all-22 tape, they were about to do something cute. They are about to do some kind of stupid reverse, throwback pass, something. Because it makes no sense when you've had Gavin Freeman be your punt returner the entire year and you're in a tight football game that you put LV Bunkley Shelton back there. It makes no sense at all. So just stop. No more running backs here and there, this and that. The guys that are hot, put them in the game and let them work. That's it. Stop screwing around with it mid-game. Play your guys and let them roll. Yeah, and you know what? I'm going to piggyback off one of your points real quick because I, I feel like people keep saying impose your will, and I think a lot of people's brains automatically go to just run the ball down their throat, and there is a truth to that, right? Right. But it does to me, that's not what it means, right? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll toot my horn. We uh, When I was in high school, I played against Jermaine Gresham, and guess what they did? They imposed their will. They just threw the ball to Jermaine Gresham. That, that's it. And there was nothing we could do to stop it. You understand how demoralizing it is when you're really doing everything you're supposed to do and you just cannot stop what is happening to you. Um, and that doesn't mean you're running the ball down your throat. If you throw the ball up to Nick Anderson and he runs 40 yards for a touchdown and your guys are in position and it's just because the dude's six foot whatever and can outrun you, that hurts. That yeah. Your ego is crushed. Do it. You have like, ball players. Now, he you had have, drops. He had drops last week, but he was open. Yeah, every time. Yeah, Open. I mean, look, but but I mean, like, look, like we've seen Farouk has even shown that he has some shake this year, right? Like he's had flashes. Um, Sawchuck in the backfield has showed it. Uh, Towie has showed it. I mean, like, really, when you start going down the list of playmakers they have, it's like there's plenty of guys that have that ability to make somebody that even if they're in the right position look stupid. Like yep. you have that on this team. Do the Drake. Okay? Drake Stoops Drake. last week. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I, I will. I have said this for like multiple seasons now. Drake is not the best receiver we have. Okay. He hasn't been the best receiver since he's been here, but he is the most clutch. If I'm throwing the ball up, if I have to, if I'm playing NCAA 2024 or whatever, <laughs> and I have to throw the ball on fourth down, you know who I'm looking for? Like the button that I'm going to be hovering over? It's Drake Stoops. Yeah. 100%. The dude, here's the, the deal. Dude, He's not the best wide receiver we have. He's the best football player that we have at wide receiver. That's what he is. Yes. Um, see, I do agree with that. I I guess I'll go like kind of a, a piggyback off another one. You kind of covered pretty much everything. But uh, but like I'm, I'm going to actually, I guess I'm going to zone in on one guy. DG, do what you do. 
right? Yes. But do it, do it what you were doing the first six games of the season, where yeah. we were bragging about how you were seeing the middle of the field, right? We were bragging about how you weren't getting happy feet and you weren't trying to throw a 900 mile an hour fastball. And some of those little things that we've seen creep back in, like you've regressed a little bit the last few weeks, right? Now mm-hmm. it's not been an overall regression, but just do what you do. Show us what, who you were the first six weeks. I don't, I think we can say six weeks wasn't a fluke. So do be that guy. I think yeah. that's a huge component to that. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I, it's the same thing, but except I'm going to, I'm going to broaden it. Um, well, I guess I'm really going to be saying the same thing you did, but it's like, guys, let guys get warm, right? Like, I, I feel like if you're not going to apply this rule to everybody on the field, especially, let guys make mistakes, right? Now, I'm not saying if somebody's out there punching somebody every play, pull them from the game. It makes sense, whatever, right? But because somebody whiffed a block, don't pull them. You're crushing their confidence. That, that's what this is the one part of this team that's really infuriated me. And it's like the more I think about it, I try not even think about the kicking team because it's like, okay, we're, we're trying to give. <laughs> Zach Schmidt, his confidence back and pat him on the butt and be like, Hey, you'll be, you go get him next time, buddy. And then we have other guys that make a mistake where it's like, really, when you watch the film, you're like, yeah, that was a mistake. But like, I see why he did it. Like, I understand the logic of what he was doing in that moment. Mm-hmm. And then you have somebody like Zach Schmidt right now. I'm not trying to pile on Zach Schmidt. I'm just saying, and there's others, you know, Andrew Rame, I'm looking at you, All my right. guy that just let guys get warm, let guys make mistakes and let guys play. Like let's let's establish what a personnel is, yeah, right. Because that's the big thing for me is we don't. It's so hard for me to tell you what our depth chart is in most positions. Like obviously DJ's your starting quarterback. Obviously Andrew Rams apparently your starting center. If Stutzman's healthy and Canning's healthy, you got your linebackers. And outside of that, I'm going. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even even in the secondary, we've seen shuffling, right? Um. So it's just a weird thing. It's just a I I want to see us get we're we're way too late in the season. I feel like to be us trying to experiment so much with starting lineups and rotations. So yeah. those things to me because like you said, watching the film, I think you're a better team. Um, <laughs> it's also going to be managing the highs and lows, right? Because this team, West Virginia, does appear to be a team like I said that's elite one minute and not the next. So deal with that high and then deal with the low. Right. Like yeah. keep it. Don't do this. Right. Like don't up and down the whole game. Just stay, run your course, do what you do. The whole team, execute your game plan and just take the game as it comes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. So, um, should be an interesting one. It's good that they're getting to come home as well. I think that will be helpful for them, uh, to try to get things back on track. So let's move off the West Virginia game and let's talk a little bit of recruiting. Uh, not great news uh, on the recruiting front. About two and a half weeks ago, if you're one of those that follows future casts and crystal balls and all the different things that sites do, um, there was a young man, Eddie Pierre-Louis from Florida, uh, offensive lineman, very highly touted. Um, Oregon is after him. OU is after him. a and after him. UCF, Miami, all of them are, are chasing him down. Uh, there was a barrage of OU crystal balls and future casts. He was scheduled to be visiting OU on Saturday. It appears that visit is off. It also appears that all those future casts and crystal balls are incorrect. And matter of fact, it sounds like Oregon has inserted them into this conversation. 
which now leaves uh, Grant Bricks is the only one kind of left on the board that's a game changer in this class for OU. And that's and, a dogfight with Nebraska now. And it's a dogfight with Nebraska. The only other rumor out there is that Josh Seaton, who is from IMG Academy with Jaden Jackson and with David Stone, is planning to visit in two weeks for OU. That he is going to be coming on a visit. And I will just say this. You better throw everything you got at IMG's guy. Two bags. Hey, Bill, give up part of your paycheck. You got to do what you got to do. Because Brahms, hey, Brahms, where you at? Brahms, Brahms sacks. Right. But you need this. I mean, look, there's some there's some guys with possibilities in this class. I think Josh Isosa out of Santa Fe could be a really good player. I don't think he is right now, but I think he could be. I think the Akinkumi kid from England could be a good player, but let's be honest, he's playing European, English, American football. I don't imagine that the level of competition and what is needed to be great is all around him over there right now, right? So we'll see. Even Grant Bricks. Just go look at his picture, guys. And everybody is building this kid as like the savior of the offensive line class. This is not a guy that's going to come in and start next year. Just look at his body. He is not a D1 body right now. Now, the cool thing is he kind of looks like an oversized tight end that's dominating people, which means if you can build him into a D1 body, he could be dominant. But that's probably a two-year process before he's ready for that. You better get Seaton, man. Like, you better do whatever it takes to get Seaton because you've lost out on every big league guy you have in this um, in this group. And so, I just, I don't know. I'll stop there for a minute and just share kind of your thoughts on where that all is right now and how you're feeling about it. I mean, I think the offensive line recruiting's got to take a step up, right? I mean, there that's where we are. I mean, there's obviously clearly clear deficiency. On the offensive line, right? Like, I mean, like I said, I my frustrating part, even if you want to say, well, J-Rod just hates Andrew Rain, it's like, well, why is there nobody else? Yeah. Right? Like, why are we so thin that there's nobody else that can even sniff the field? Right? Um, there's clearly some thin, like we see, we've we've seen in the defense, right? Like, I'll take the defense as a whole. You look at the defense, and there's depth that's starting to build everywhere, right? Like uh, the defensive line, even though they haven't been a lead, it's like you also don't like we talked about uh, like when Montgomery was here and all that so many years ago, where it's like you didn't see a huge drop off from like the the first string to the third string or whatever, right? And it's like it's kind of like that. Like you're starting to see that depth. You're starting to see that depth that you know obviously you have Kip waiting in the wings, you know, um, and stuff like that. But you don't see that on the offensive line. So we got it. We've got to find somebody. We got to close. I don't know who that's going to be. I agree with you. We got to stop getting projects because right now, if we bring in projects, they're going to have to play before they're the project's done. Right, right. I mean, look, McKayma Tower's gone after this year. Walter Rouse gone. There's a high level chance that um, Guyton is gone. Okay, Rain's and probably gone. Rain could be gone. He can come back, but we'll see. My my guess is he's back. I, I don't see any way he gets a draft grade that he just feels like 
I I just I just I don't, don't see. I just I don't. don't see. I agree with you, but I just don't see that they're gonna they're gonna have to start having a conversation and saying you got to fight for your snaps, which is obviously apparently a problem in the spring for him. That's that's the rumor, right? Which in the recruiting front, and we talked about this a little bit in the Discord tonight. I I want to be clear because I've been really hard on the guy for years, and everybody's come after, right? Like. I genuinely believe that Bill Biedenboe is one of the better offensive line developers in all of college. But when you really look at what the problems have been for the last five or six years on this offensive line, everybody kept saying, well, it's Benny Wiley's fault. That's what we heard, right? It's Benny's fault. It's Benny's fault. It's Benny's fault. Okay. Well, now we're two years into no more Benny Wiley. And guess what? It's not the same. It hasn't. Now, last year, I felt like the line got better as the year went along. But now this year, it's taken a major step back. You don't feel like you have depth. It's like you and I, they were doing everything they could to get McCade Matower back on the field. Right? Like, they they have done everything they can to get him. As you pointed out with Andrew Rame, no matter how bad he plays, there is nobody there fighting for those snaps to get away from him. Right? Um, so, it, it's just crazy. Bill Biedenboe, for his reputation and how many guys he has put in the NFL, should be recruiting at a much higher level. A much – and look, this year's class of offensive linemen, I know like Josh McQuistion, for example, has said it's not a good class. It just doesn't right. have much talent. The guys that are high four-stars would not even sniff being high four-stars in a typical class. But let me just walk you through 23, 22, and 21 recruiting. Bill Beatonbow had one top 100 lineman in 23. He had one top 120 guy in 22, and he had one in 2021. After those three guys, let me tell you the stats. He had a guy that was not the top 30 at his position, a guy that was not top 25, a guy that was not top 25, a guy that was not top 20, a guy that was not top 30, and a guy that was not top 35 at his position. Not nationally, overall position. Okay, now let me compare that to, because we keep talking about SEC and national championships, Alabama, offensive lineman, top five overall. Overall out of all positions. Top five, top 135, top 172. Top 31, top 60, top top 92, top five, top 83, and then the third offensive lineman they got in that class was not in the top 100, but he was number 17 in his position. In the last three classes of Bill Beatonbow, he only has three top 100 guys, and then the rest were not hardly in the top 30 at their position. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, it's it's a, definitely a thing of we got to start bringing in more people. I mean, we got we've got to start recruiting higher. Like I understand bringing in. It's kind of the thing that we talked about of you need five stars and you need three stars. I I, I do get tired of when people say, "Well, the kid's a three star. He's never going to be." It's like, look, you three star hard is something, whatever, right? Um, but we're just not getting the five stars to go with it, and you really see that when you look at some of the when you look at the Georgia, Bama, like you said, uh. You know, even even Oregon and some of those schools that are making the come up now. Right. 
that's what they have. They have five stars and four stars, and they're just littered with them. And we really don't like. And it's like, look at Caden Green. Caden Green yeah. is our best best guy, right? Uh, out, of, out of this last class, and like I said, it, it he's our second best offensive lineman already. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely it, you know two two a on this yeah. line, and that's the thing. Like, and here's the deal: Caden Green has not even scratched the surface of being developed. That's what I'm saying. But, yeah, his, no. but his talent is so high, right? Like it's there. And look, man, there's some evaluation problems too. We go back to those 18, 19 classes. You're talking Bray Walker and Tremonde Moore, who were both like top like 20 guys that never even played a down here. EJ uh um was supposed to be like the number one center in the country when they brought him in. He transfers out and he's never played which is bad evaluation, right? Which I do think a little bit of that may, again, I do maybe think some of that was the culture and Lincoln, but yeah, I do agree with you. Um, I mean, it, it's got to get better, I mean, man. It's It, it does. And I, I don't disagree with you. I, I do think that, you know, I guess the shining, the, the bright spot for OU fans, we can give a little bit of glimmer of hope in all the darkness. Caden Green, if he develops like we think he should develop, is going to be an All-American, in my opinion. The yeah. dude's freaking crazy good for him to be a true freshman and get thrown in the fire and doing what he's doing. And, and to be fair, we have said that Jacob Sexton might be one of their better offensive linemen as well, but he plays left tackle behind Walter Rouse right now. And Walter Rouse has earned that position, those kinds of things. So, I mean, those two guys are young and up and coming, but you need five. You need five really good linemen. And right now, I don't know who that is next year. If Guyton goes to the draft, and you lose Matower, you lose Dighton and Rouse. You got Green and you got Sexton. I don't know what you got after that. I, I just can't see. I just can't see Guyton staying. There's too many teams right now in the NFL that are looking for offensive linemen, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, so it, it's going to be interesting. So, all right, how about we do some pickums? How do you feel about that? Yeah. So scores this week. They're actually a very good, very good lineup for this week. Um, so we'll start out with the good one. We got the Michigan sign stealers versus the <laughs> Penn state made up lions. Um, Penn, Michigan is favored by four and a half. It's at Penn state. So, you know, that environment, but Michigan's only favored by four and a half. Who are you taking? I, I'm picking Michigan. I mean, I know the sign stealing all that. So, Right now, there's been no punishment, which leads me to believe they're going to continue to steal signs. And then number two, they're just really freaking talented. Did you, by the way, did you see real quick? Did you see that the NCAA is assisting Central Michigan in their investigation? No. Yeah, apparently NCAA officials are at Central Michigan assisting them in that investigation. I like. I don't think I. For people that are thinking like any day now, it's going to come down. It's not. It'll be after the season. Yeah, I agree. I, I, mean, um, I agree, but I'm going to take, I'm going to take Penn state. I think Michigan has built themselves to be a very hated team. Penn state's already a rowdy, rowdy environment. Right. Um. So I think, I think they'll at least cover. I know that's not a huge spread, but um, second, I'm going to be at this game, by the way. Um, nice. Yeah. My boy, my boy, Jared is actually his name too. He's a UCF grad. We made the handshake agreement. Uh, that we would go to, we go to a UCF game with him this year, and then next year we would try to go to an OU game. Nice. Um, 
And you know what's funny is I didn't even really think about it, but it's like next year we'll have like a bunch of SEC games. Like it's gonna be wild. Like I hope I told them I was like, dude, I was like, I I pretty much promised them I was like, if somehow OU and Alabama are like undefeated when they meet in Norman, yeah, like we we're gonna get tickets somehow. Like I'll sell a <laughs> we'll go. Cause like he's like, he's like, I really do want to go because no, no disrespect to UCF or whatever, but the environment, they don't have the tradition, they don't have, you know, all that. So it's gonna be a different environment. But anyways. UCF, OSU, two and a half is all that OSU is favored by. Now they're at UCF, which I guess is it apparently can be a Brexit pretty rowdy stadium, but two and a half seems a little low for a team with a running back like Ollie Gordon. So what do you give me? Who are you taking? Uh, I'm taking UCF. I think they're going to win straight up. I, I think that Oklahoma State has to do with the exact same thing OU did, which is that they just won their Super Bowl. And they're coming off that big Ohio. Everybody's telling them how amazing they are and how they've turned everything around. UCF is still just scratching and clawing, and their offense hadn't slowed down. They just got to start scoring. Um, and I think they can do it against that defense. So, yeah, give me UCF to cover and win straight up. I will as well. I got to for my boy. From uh, for yeah, I got to. I mean, I'm, my boys, my boys buying me tickets. Like I gotta, you know. <laughs> Uh, next up, we have this one is crazy. Uh, Tennessee at Mizzou. Tennessee is favored by one point, literally just one point, not one and a half, one. So it's basically pick who you think is going to win. Man, this one's hard. Ugh. Mizzou has been a shocker of a team. That's for darn sure. Um, I just can't, man. I got to go Tennessee. I don't. I just can't. I can't. Yeah, I've actually got. To, I actually got to agree with you on that. I think. Um, Tennessee's been a weird team too. It's like they're really two very strange teams this season. I think Tennessee had higher hopes, right? Um, and yes. they've shown flashes of being really, really, really stinking good. But right, yeah. So anyway, uh, next up, a fan favorite of people on the podcast, USC, who. Maybe they'll be able to keep a team from putting up 180 points in the game now that they don't have Alex Grinch. USC at Oregon. Oregon's favored by 15 points. By the way, USC is not ranked for the first time under Lincoln or Riley's tenure. Nice. Uh, Ducks all day. Yep, go Ducks. Ducks fly together. (laughs) Uh, I, I don't think, I mean, I think, you know, it's funny because I do want to say like, it's been funny because I do have some friends that are USC fans and like, oh, we got rid of Grinch. The defense is going to get better. We're going to get this home run. I was like, until you fix the strength and conditioning, until you fix the physicality that at practice and just overall on the team, you're going to be in the same boat. It doesn't matter who you bring in. So anyway, uh, next up, Ole Miss at Georgia. This is a number I, I don't even know. I didn't look at the college football playoff rankings this week, uh, but it's like number nine versus number one or two. So Ooh, yeah, a very high rank. Uh, Ole Miss is kind of, you know, they just, they, they had a dog fight with AM, but like they're kind of like that team that's like heating up, I feel like a little bit. But, you know, Georgia's favorite of 10.5. Who are you taking? Uh, Georgia. I think they're going to, I think you're, oh, this is one of those weeks you awaken the beast of Georgia. I think Georgia's just been biding their time until they play really good teams. And they go. No, I'm not taking, you're already putting UGA down, but I'm oh. taking Ole Miss. Oh, I think. I feel like I, I I do agree with you to some extent, but I, I just feel like they haven't really faced anybody that's forced to expose their offense without without Bowers. 
Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I just still don't believe Ole Miss defense is that great. Um, and again, I just think that Georgia has been kind of sleepwalking. You know, the last time we saw them play a great game was when everybody was singing the praises of Kentucky and everybody was saying Kentucky was going to give them a game and it was going to be tough and they went by like 30. Right. Then they go back into into cruise control. At least that's the way I see it. But we'll see. I could be wrong. I just don't think that Lane's got the horses to, to hang with Georgia, especially if they play well. And last up, we have our one and only West Virginia at Oklahoma. Oklahoma's favored by 13 points against West Virginia. Who are you taking? Uh, West Virginia. Yes, I am too, actually. Yeah. I've I've picked I've picked Oklahoma every game this week and or every game this year. Can't do it. Gotta change the pattern, breaking it up a little bit. I think <laughs> OU wins, but I think it's gonna be a close game. I think it'll I think they'll win by 10. I think OU will win by 10. My score, my score prediction will be 38-28. for the good guys. 38-28. Um, I'm not even sure it's gonna go that far apart. Um, I want to pick OU to win just because I think they should win this game, but I think it's going to be 34-31. I think it's going to be a super tight game. See, wait, you do think OU's winning, but you... Yes, but West Virginia. I thought you said that like in a way. I thought you were saying like West Virginia. I was like, wow, you're really going dark on us, but... Yeah, no, I mean, OU should win this game, but... I think I will, it's going to be crazy tight, and unless they come out playing like they can, but we just haven't seen it for three weeks, so I can't believe it till I see it. Here's here's my call out. I'm going to give it real quick while we wrap up football talk. Call out because I'm going to UCF again. We're going to go tailgate. Get, we're getting the whole experience. So, as a call out to next year, whenever me and my me and my buddy we go travel all the way to Oklahoma, guys, let's 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 OU. Fan base, let's get the tailgating going, right? Let's let's pump it up a little bit. Let's go crazy. So I will be sending a lot of pictures and taking a lot of pictures with the uh, UCF stuff. And I'm gonna have to. Luckily, I live very close, um, so I should be able to be home at least by like the end of the first quarter or something. If we stay the whole game, I should still be able to be home like in the first quarter of the OU game. So excited for that. But the Thunder, we also have a basketball team to talk about. Yeah, we do. Who won tonight against the Cleveland Cavaliers, one twenty-eight to one twenty? They are now five and three on the season. Um, SGA dropped forty-three points tonight, going fifteen of twenty-two from the. That is stupid good, and I believe he was twelve of thirteen from the free throw line in the game. Um, Dort continues to just be on fire offensively. And it's not like he's scoring 25 a game, but, man, I think he's still shooting 60-something percent from three-point range, which is just crazy. He will not maintain that, but it's been fun to watch. Um, And it's really just Dort picking his spots. He lets everybody go after J-Dub and go after Chet and go after SBA. And then when he gets a wide-open look, he's going to set his feet, he's going to let it fly, and he is hitting them. Uh, at a high rate. Casey Wallace, dude. Let's just talk about this guy, for, by the way. Casey Wallace is going nuts. And 
if he keeps on this pace, is going to be in the sixth man of the year conversation, in my opinion. And I think we are about to be in the same position we are last year, right? Where J Dub was the steal of the draft. It got talked about over and over and over again. If you re rank this draft, J Dub should have gone like third in the draft, right? And instead he goes 12 to the Thunder. And Case and Wallace is feeling very much the same. Like that's how good he has been. Can we just can we just come up? Can we can we spit a good idea as a just okay sports podcast? Can we go to the Thunder and sure. say, hey guys, I have an idea. OU has all these statues of like their honorary, like the Heisman winners, you know, popular coaches. Let's build one. Like what we got a guy. We got a guy in the Thunder. Right? You know who I'm talking about. No. Sam Presti. Build the freaking <laughs> statue of Sam Presti. Dude, I'm telling you, like when you look at the dude's resume, tell me somebody that's 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 on that level for that period of time. There haven't been many, if any. I mean, think he drafted Kevin Durant and he drafted James Harden, he drafted Russell Westbrook, right? Yeah. Already all had those guys. And then it's like, you look at this and it's like, okay, Chet. Like it's one thing. I think the thing that like really like always has intrigued me about Presty is that he has this ability to go, like you said, go get steals. Like when you draft somebody like Chet, it's like, well, he was the number two pick in the draft, right? Like you're right. expecting a lot out of the guy. The expectations high. He should be good. But when you're going to getting guys like late in the first round or even second round and you're there producing, you're like, dude, what in the like yeah. What kind of crystal ball do you have in your office? Yeah. I mean, like you said, like Casey Wallace, man, if he if he pans out, that's going to be two years in a row that you've been picking lower in the draft in the first round. Still good picks. But again, when it's all said and redone, they become top 10, top five picks, right? Instead of the 20th picks. Serge Ibaka, Steven Adams. Like you can just go down the list of guys that he's brought in. But man, the team is fun to watch. And what's crazy is they're five and three. Honestly, they should be six and two because they had a game robbed of them by the referees against Golden State last weekend as well. Um, on a goal ten that seems pretty clear to me to be goal ten, but whatever. Um, I know there's a lot of argument around the rule. I still don't know how you watch that clip and think that Draymond didn't touch the ball and that redirects the ball, period. Whether That's gonna be like the Thunder Des caught it moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just an unbelievable situation there, but, um, but I mean, yeah, the team's fifth in the West playing really well. It's, they are really fun and it's crazy because they're on this run playing well. They played the Cavs twice now, which remember had a pretty good playoff run last year, um, as well. And, um, you know, you're, you're at that position five and three without SGA playing a game because of, of injury and, Josh Giddy, from an offensive standpoint, has not just had a great kickoff to the year. Like, he hasn't been amazing. Um, he's been good at distributing the ball offensively for assists and things and setting things up. He doesn't have outrageous assist numbers, and he actually has fairly high turnover numbers. Um, I like Giddy as a player, but he's not playing at the level you would have expected him to be playing and yet the Thunder are still winning and still where they're at in the position that they're in. 
Yeah, we've got to, like, I know Troy's dealing with his movements and stuff, but I really want to get, especially when we get deeper into the season, we got, I'm, I feel like Troy's going to be just foaming at the mouth to talk about Thunder. Oh. They are, I think they're way better. I picked what, 50 games? I said they'd win 50 games yeah, this year. I believe he did. So, I mean, honestly, the games that I've got to watch, I think I watched, well, I watched part of one and I think I watched like pretty much all of the other. Uh, but I feel like film. Like kind of good about my pick. I know it's real early in the season, but yeah, they look. They I mean, look. They're they're that team that like SGA is a superstar, right. right? Chet maybe right. Like Chet's could be a superstar, um. But it's like really when you look at this team, it's like they don't need like that's what's crazy about them is they don't need a superstar. Like even if the SGA has an off night, they've got so many other guys that actually have that ability to step up that. You know, SGA is a timeline. Not trying to tell you different, Troy or Daryl, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Like this is yep. again one of those teams that it's not like the. Uh, um, I'm trying to think of a good example. It's not one of those teams like LeBron had a bad night, so they lost, right? You know, it, that's it's not how this team is. This is a very deep team, uh, competitive depth, maybe even we'll see. Yeah, um, yeah, no, it's 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 a good one. You need to go check them out. Um, it's going to be a fun year of, of Thunder basketball the more we start to break it down once we get past the Hey, two two things before we wrap. OU basketball looked good. Yeah. Women's basketball looked good. Of course. Jenny knows so, what she's doing. Yeah. Jenny definitely um, knows what she's doing. But Porter Moser deserves a lot of credit, though. I mean, I'm not saying this team's going to make the tournament even, but he has made that team better. There is no I, question I, that team is better. I, I feel like, you know, I think we all have to take a step back and also realize that he probably had a lot of culture stuff to clear clear out, right? With, uh you know, I'm not trying to dog on, I can't remember the previous coach's name. It's too late at night. Anyway. um Yeah, it's going to bother me. But anyway, um <laughs> I think there's a little bit of culture to clear out, so I'm, I, I'm willing to give him some time. But yeah. And then the last thing I have, like I said, Formula One in Vegas, dude. Like, you've got to watch it. Like, if you're not even if you're not a big F1 fan, it's like, dude, it's, it's literally on the strip. The strip is a straightaway in a Formula One race. Like, you've got to watch. Yeah, uh, it would definitely. And Long Kruger is the name that you're thinking of. I yeah, had to even go. look it up. I was struggling as well. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but no, they were fun to watch the other day. And then, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you want at least to see a little bit of that? If you don't even watch the whole thing, you just need to take in some of it anyway. You know, you know, you know, I had this thought. I'm going to put it on the podcast so I have witnesses. I have eight witnesses right now. Um, you know, your birthday is is in February, right? Yeah. So we're going to March Madness because it's around that time frame. My right. birthday is in October. And the That's Las fair. Vegas race is in November. You know, just saying. Yeah. Now, I will say this year. Now. Yeah, this year, by the way, somebody, I saw somebody post a deal of a suite. I think it was at the Bellagio. This week, like for this weekend, is twenty five thousand dollars. Woo! I was like, yeah, maybe I'll wait for a few years when it's not the hype's not quite as high, right? Hey, like, you need to start searching Airbnbs and VRBOs right now for next next November, October. Oh yeah, I will. I will. Once they like, I, th- I don't know. If, I don't think they released the schedule yet. Once they release the schedule, I'll start looking. But yeah, um, I think next year will be. This is just the first year of it. Everybody's hyped because of the whole strip and. You know the the the, yeah. the uniqueness the uniqueness of Vegas is that every vendor and 
resort and everything is going to be throwing tickets at their high rollers, right? So that's why tickets are expensive is because so many of them are getting, you know, uh, how would you say that? Just sold out by companies rather than the race itself. So, yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah. So a lot, a lot of fun sports this weekend. Look, let's hope our singers do good. Let's hope the Thunder play well. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. So, and like I said, I'll send... I'll post some pictures maybe on the Twitter and the Discord and all that of uh, the UCF. I am excited to get to go see a game at that stadium, see what the tailgating's like. I've been hyped up about it. So, uh, And like I said, early call out. I'm going to call it out again next year. If I get to take a UCF fan all the way to Oklahoma and make him watch a game at Gaylord Memorial Stadium, guys, let's hype it up. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it big. I think people will be fired up next year with the SEC move i oh, think yeah. you'll have a great atmosphere so yep well again that's all we've got for this that's our preview of west virginia that's our recruiting information our picks thunder talk it's all in there again it's all Oklahoma sports. it is just Oklahoma sports. okay so again feel free to like subscribe all the different things if you're enjoying it um we'd appreciate it hit our merch store up to to help support this thing a little bit we don't do paywalls we don't do you know any of that kind of stuff uh, and that won't change next to... week at all. So <laughs> it will not change. It will always be free. It will always be out there for everybody. Again, just a couple guys sharing their opinions. But that's who we are. We're having a great time. We hope you are too. I'm Daryl. That's my brother Jared. And we will talk to you guys later. Night, Baker. And you can unhitch the wagon. Put the ponies in the ball.